It's Wednesday, the 16th of June, uh, morning after France beat Germany. Yas and I recorded straight after full time yesterday, um, talking about that game predominantly, and then also have a little chat about other things to uh, to look out for that we found interesting with the Euros. Um, but I want to highlight the injustice that is being uh, allowed to happen right before our very eyes. Rafa Silva came off the bench yesterday for Portugal and basically got all three assists. He put the cross in for the deflected one, he was fouled for the penalty and he played the one-twos with Ronaldo. And I even didn't realise that it was him who played the one-twos, Ronaldo, Yas and I both thought it was Bruno, so you'll hear that. But Rafa Silva, shout out to you. You should have had three assists, you've only been credited with one and uh, I'm really sorry about it. All right, I'm with Yas, who told me that he never watches football. So he's watched football for the first time and I don't know however long for the Euros, but I'm hoping there's going to be some some hot takes in here. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really well, man. Doing really well. Like I said, yeah, it's been a while since I've been watching football, especially on a regular basis. I think I've spent most of my time in the last few years just watching the occasional game here and there, but I'm not a big fan of watching games on the TV, but, you know, needs must. Yeah, you said international football as well. Is it really your thing? Yeah, I mean, I've never really, I've never really been big on the international international football. To be honest, even from a young age, even when I did have a, a passion for it, and I was watching it quite regularly. But it's never really been a big thing for me. But I think as time's gone on, you just, it's, it's a great tool for learning. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think there's so many different things that come together when you play, obviously watch international games, all the different styles that come together, all the different systems in play. And it's just, it's just, it's a bit of a, a bit of an exhibition, really, isn't it? It's so interesting how my, like, my opinion of international football has changed so much. Like, I used to think of it as the pinnacle. I was like, this is the elite of the elite of the elite. And then you realise that it, it's just, for me anyway, I just feel like it, it's just not. Like, these club teams now get so much more time together and the coaches get so much more time with those players. So when a team gets together and manages to put a decent run together, like it looks like France might do, yeah, there's the the the, the possibility that they might be unbelievable just because of the calibre of the players and the quality of the players. But there's definitely some bits tonight where I was like, God, is this, is this really, like, this is the best team in the world, really? Yeah, and I think definitely... I mean, I think, generally speaking, a lot of people see it as a pinnacle. I think, um, you know, everyone would argue that the biggest competition in the world is obviously the World Cup. But I think in recent years, especially the last 10, 15 years in particular, because of the amount of money that comes into the club game, I think that's kind of just completely taking the shot off the international stage. Um, more specifically, you get, you know, I'm not too sure whether, and obviously, you, you know, you can't say for certain, but I'm not too sure whether the general consensus is that they still, the players still have the same passion for international football as they once did. Mm. Um, I think it, Whereas now, like I said, more and more money is going into the club game, and people that's where they well, that's where they're getting paid, isn't it? So yeah. I think for a lot of people, they're happy to represent the national teams, but I think there's a few players that maybe aren't too bothered and just it's just another game for them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, we've just had we've just had France Germany full time whistles just gone pretty much. Uh, France won Germany nil. Feels like it should have been more. Like in my head, France won the game by more than one goal. I didn't really, particularly towards the end, I didn't really feel like Germany. We're gonna score. France seemed fairly comfortable. What were your thoughts? Definitely not. And obviously, I think I think Mbappe in that. I mean, you saw the substitute situation with Hummels, and I'm sure you're gonna come onto that. Absolutely roasted him for pace, and I'm poor. You know, we'd argue that potentially could have been a penalty, but plenty of talking points in that game. I think there's, uh, I think definitely there's more to come from that um, French team, um, and I think Germany have got a few things to kind of go back to join board with as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, if we just look at the the 
I guess, the shape of the teams. France, I guess, basically in a 4-3-3. There were times where, like, Griezmann was a bit lower and Mbappe was a bit higher. And it was, and then there were other times where Kante was, like, the highest one of all the midfielders going to put pressure on the ball. So I don't think, I don't think we could say it was always that. And then Germany back three and, and Cruz and Gundogan. And then, again, it's, I was, I, the first thing I wrote down was, like, Ever, uh, the Ali McCoyce was like, guy, it's very fluid. Germany looked really, really fluid. And I chatted to Josh previously about like positional play and like the, the the concept of okay, well, we need these spaces on the pitch filled, but who fills them at different times is kind of up to you to, to an extent to the to the players. Did you notice anything? I guess particularly with Germany, did you notice anything towards the start of the game that caught your eye? I think I think everything you just said there is kind of spot on. Really, I think it, it, the way the game is now is it is so dynamic. Teams are very rarely in, in a rigid structure anymore, and I think it is much more about right individual moments of recognizing when to kind of step out of your shape and often take advantage of those moments. I think you talked about Griezmann and uh, and Bappe. I think generally speaking, both teams I think did really well. They've, whilst they've got a a set shape, it is quite fluid. I think it was quite fluid for both teams. Um, I think for the French team, the French team is quite interesting actually because you know Griezmann playing a role that he probably doesn't usually play. But again, it's just a testament to this once again. Now he's managed to get Griezmann. He probably and within his own right, he's probably got the he's probably got record and he's probably got a pedigree behind him to say, "Well, I'm not doing that." But I think that is that is a skill of the coach, and I think one of the things you know I'd love to discuss with you is your thoughts on differences between international management and obviously that at club level. Yeah, definitely. There's no, there's just no way that Griezmann is doing that for a full season with his club. It's just not happening. Like the times today where he's like really, really narrow, tucked in, marking a central midfielder. It's just he's not doing that for Barcelona. He's just not. Um, yeah, I think when when you've got players who are as good as Kante and Pogba, I thought Pogba was man of the match tonight. I don't know who they awarded it to, but I thought he was like the biggest reason that France won the game. Um, and and Mbappe and Benzema, it's just like to an extent, as soon as as soon as you get into a position where individually you can spot something, it's just like go, go, let's do it. hundred percent. Like you saw that a couple of times in the German from the German side with Cruz as well. Cruz yeah. managed to pick out some decent decent options as well, but obviously things didn't really materialise. But it's really we're really interested to see how the next few games go. Obviously, you know, we had the Portugal game earlier this afternoon as well. Um, you know, three goals in the last ten minutes. I think I think that group's really gonna hot up, man really going to happen. I think the fact that there's a third place up for grabs as well, I think will obviously be quite interesting as we get down to the final, you know, final match of the group stages. I think ultimately, though, that was probably the biggest game of the group, I think, so far. Um, I think it probably will be the biggest game competition-wise anyway, but it'll be interesting to see how, how both those teams then fare against Portugal and Ronaldo. You know, you can never count them guys out at all. Yeah, definitely. Um, with Germany, I know that, like, well, a fair bit was made of Rudiger, obviously, like, came into the season with Chelsea and finished really strongly under under Tuchel and then started tonight. I don't I don't I don't mind them playing that shape. Like I think it it's it's, it's you know it's a it suits a number of the players in the team. Definitely didn't get the most out of Kimmich. No like no way. Towards the end of the second half he was coming inside a little bit more and he seemed like he could actually have some space to to pick the ball up. But I just yeah there were so many times where he just He's not really involved, and his game at Bayern Munich is like he's so so involved. And Cruz as well. It's were, maybe towards the end of the game, like you said, he was able to kind of play some passes. But there's times where he's just he has to be so deep, he's so so deep. Um, 
and they there's kind of like, there's a there's a phase to get the ball above him and then he steps forward and by that time Kante or Pogba or Rabiot could just intercept it or tackle and then they go to start a counter-attack yeah definitely I think there's a couple of things you've touched on there I think the first piece is obviously Kimmich and Cruz in there but I think it's the shape ultimately I think is it, it, it kind of it reminds me of the England teams of, of, of you know the early 2000s where they've got certain players they're just trying to get in the squad somewhere yeah. and they're maybe not playing to all their best strengths um, but at the same time you know you, you mentioned it earlier as well about Kante being around the pitch and being high up and pressing on the ball high up the pitch sometimes and even Pogba at times, I think for Cruz, he was almost forced into being a deeper position than he probably would have liked, um, just because of the fluid nature of Kante and Pogba in the French side today. I think you know it'd be interesting to see how that kind of goes into the next game because I don't think they're going to get the same amount of pressure on them from Portugal and certainly probably not from Hungary. Um, so whether that 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 allows Cruz to maybe unlock himself a little bit more from that, that deeper area in the midfield, then I'll be interested to see. And I think it's all, it's all up for grabs at the moment. Still isn't right, really. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a really strong case to just put Kimmich in midfield and play. You could play Cruz and Gundogan, play them, just play the three of them there. Figure out, figure out who's going to play right side. But just yeah, just have him, have him high up the pitch and have him actually be able to be involved. It's interesting. So in 2018, Sane didn't make the squad, and I remember that was such a big thing because he'd been he'd been playing for City and and like it was you know it was kind of a big part of big part of that team and the the reason that i remember being given for that was that a lot of what he was doing for city at that time is he was like really really wide on the left and they would build up down the right and switch it out to him so he had a chance to like attack someone one against one um so a lot of their build up was central in 2018 it was all about Cruz and all about uh muller as well those two were like really really central didn't really get the sense that there was like a deliberate attempt to play through the middle of the pitch tonight. And maybe that's because it's the first group game and they're playing against probably the best team. So we didn't see it. But if if that doesn't happen in their next game, if there isn't like a concerted effort to play through, like play through those players, I don't really know how, I don't really know how those, those players impact the game. They're not players who can affect huge amounts off the ball in the in the way that I mean tonight we've seen it probably Kante's the best at it so maybe it's an unfair comparison um, but they're just yeah they're just they're not in the game at all I think there's you know, it's an interesting point because they've mentioned it a few times in the commentary as well you know Germany side they've, they've, they've fiddled around with their formation and their strategy and kind of system for you know over the last few months several times but I'll come back to my previous point I think they're in a situation now where they've got players in every position well it's finding the most effective way to get the best out of them. And I think I'm not sure, you know, maybe maybe tonight, although it was quite a competitive game, it was still quite reserved. It's the first game that you don't, you don't really want to lose the first game, even if it is a big one. Um, or even more so if it's a big one, I think going into the next games, it'll be interesting because like I said, I, don't, I can't see them changing their system um, again. I definitely think they, I think they think they will keep it. But again, I'll come back to one of your previous points. Well, I think Conte, Conte did really well in terms of shutting them down. <laughs> he was literally all over the place, even involved in the attacks at, at certain points. I, I don't see Portugal or Hungary having that, the opportunity to get the same amount of pressure on the Germany, especially in the midfield area. So I don't see it being too much of an issue. Mm-hmm. I think if, if if it doesn't work for them in the next game, then they might have to rethink that. I don't. I, I can't see them changing going into the next game. Something I've thought about quite a lot is that. The skill sets needed to play in the middle midfield and the skill sets needed to play as a fullback. There seems to be some 
comparisons there. I wonder what your thoughts are on how, like, are those two positions similar? I think they've definitely, they've definitely got similarities. I mean, I, I've always, listen, if you end up being a fullback, it's probably because um, you weren't the most effective winger mm. or you ended up being a centre-back who was actually quite, quite, quite decent on the ball and they, they allowed you to have a bit more freedom to put you out wide. <laughs> um, so I think if you look at some of the, like I said, the skills that's there, especially from a technical standpoint, you probably would say that a lot of them do have very much similarities to some of the midfield players. That's why, you, you know, if you look back at the prime example, Philip Lahm a couple of years ago, you know, who out and out would be the world's best fullback at the time, or one of them at least, you know, as soon as Pep came into Bayern, you know, he put him in the centre midfield. So I think it's, it's, it's just, um, you get to see it from a different perspective. I think certainly easier going from being a fullback than a centre-back into the, into the midfield area. Um, just just because of the way the, the way you play the game, the way the, the way the game is in front of you. Um, I think obviously the, from a fullback perspective, you get to see games and not just alongside you, but in front of you up, up down the line. But from a centre back, you're just kind of used to having the game in front of you at all times. So I think from that perspective, there is definitely similarities. There is an easy route for a lot of fullbacks to kind of get in there. And look, let's let's be honest, at, at, at the level that you're talking about there, with, you know, especially with the German side and, and and other teams alike, technically there's not going to be that much in it. They're all they're all going to be you know fantastic on the ball. Um, and I think as time goes on, you know, especially older players. More, you know, if we go back to the Lyme example, it's probably going to become easier and easier to kind of slot into a different role because you just understand the game up a lot better. Yeah, I think that's fair. What what you can't mitigate for is someone like Mbappe who is going to drag you around. <laughs> and he, he didn't really run in behind in the first half. I wrote down like the fullbacks were quite high and it's like they're playing out and a couple of times like the goal comes from unbelievable pass from Pogba and a, and a cutback basically not even the best pass just like kind of put it put it across the box but Mbappe wasn't running in behind and then it's just like he's just biding his time waiting there was even a moment I can't remember I can't remember exactly when but he like it was towards the end of the first half he like received the ball and it was like should I start a counter-attack and he like he was so quick got there so quick that he slowed down he's like do I really want to try and do this and he just decided no slowed the game down and they built up and then second half he just he just went off. We talked about this a little bit. If you're the Germany, the goal, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you're the Germany, say, I don't you were <laughs> If you're the Germany defender in that situation, Hummels, how can yeah. you? How, how how do you how do you deal with that? So now, ball comes across at an awkward height, and you're running back to your own goal. In it, in my my opinion, I think this is probably the first time where I'm going to say you know what you probably should have gone with with your method. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that being maybe going the outside of his left. Look to hook it, hook it, hook it over somehow. Um, but to be fair, I think the ball came in at such a pace, we never really had a chance to deal with it properly anyway. Um, you know, it came in at such a pace, it beat, it beat the first player, frustrating to humbles. And I, I think if you watch it full speed, there's very little he could have done. Um, I remember you brought this point up a couple of weeks ago in, in the Spurs game. Uh, I can't remember who it was now. Regular, um, shocking. Yeah. But that one, I think, very different in the fact that. It was just poorly executed. He was on the edge of the box and he just absolutely sliced it into the top of it. I don't even think it hit his foot. I think it hit his leg on top of his shin or something like that. Um, so that one definitely, definitely wouldn't, wouldn't go with. But um, yeah, I think on this occasion, it was very little he could have done just because, purely because of the pace that was put on the ball as it came through. And it was a bit of a, a hit and hope, put it in the area and see what happens, sort of kind of ball that comes in. Um, but then you also got to remember that, you know, I think I'm pretty sure I think it was Benzema that was right on his shoulder anyway. So if he didn't try and put something on it, Benzema probably would have had an easy tapping. So I think but you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a topic the top, top of the discussion, especially when you look at coaching the players. How would you deal with it? What would you have done? 
don't know. I think like that the idea of clearing it with your like outside foot. Like I remember Josh, we first talked about that, and he's big on like you should use the foot that's furthest. The, well, not I don't think not big on it. He floated the idea that like you could use your foot that's furthest away from the goal because you just completely minimise the risk of what happened tonight happening. I suppose what you can then be thinking is that your body has to be open. So the cross is coming in from your right. So you need to be, you need your left shoulder kind of closer to your goal than your right shoulder is so that you can see the, in this case, see Benzema and see the ball. And because it happened so fast, it's tricky. I think also like the pass from Pogba, Hernandez isn't even on the screen when he played it. Like it, 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 the run was really, really good. And there's probably an element of like, well, I'm thinking that Kimmich is supposed to be a wing back. Maybe he's supposed to get out there and get a little bit closer to it. So maybe that gives me some time to get close towards my goal, defend my six yard box in, in a way that, in a way that um, I suppose in the way that he does for Dortmund. Um, but I don't know. It is a tricky one. It is a tricky one. Yeah, hundred percent. I think, um, he, like I said, he came in at such a pace. There's very limited, limited, limited things he could have done with it. But, Again, I don't think there would have been much difference if had he, had he got it or had he not. Um, like I said, Benzema was really ready to clean up the scrap. So, but no, it was interesting, man. I think um, you know. Who, so, who, who are you backing for the tournament then? I think France barely got out of first gear tonight, and I didn't feel like after they scored, I didn't think that they were not going to win. Like I just thought they would at some point they would score, and I thought one of those goals was going to be a legit goal, and I thought, okay, like this is a two-nil game is fair. The only times really where I thought Germany looked dangerous I was really surprised when they took Havertz off because when he was sort of drifting and getting to a position he was getting in position so that he could receive and turn really quickly and he could like just have the ball on the edge of the box and either play someone wide or, or, or play essentially they they looked good Portugal earlier pretty unimpressive I think I don't know how I don't know if you can quantify how much of a miss Cancelo is going to be but watching the game it looked like if he'd been playing, that would have really, really helped them. Um, Spain, if we were talking about XG earlier, I was, I was, I wasn't sure whether XG like factors in the player who's shooting. So obviously, like if Lewandowski's shooting, his the XG, in my opinion, should be higher than if Morata's shooting. Like if, Mar- if Lewandowski gets the Morata chance, then he's going to score. Um, but Spain, Spain looked looked good. Italy were really good. Um, England as well would like I, I finished that game thinking okay like pleasantly surprised no no real stress um, but but I think France France have won the most convincingly with with the least amount of effort if that makes sense 100% and to see them do it against Germany as well is obviously a big positive for them um, I think they'll definitely get a lot of confidence off this I think there'll be, there'll be some things they need to kind of go back to drill and think about being more effective with like taking advantage of that counter-attack and I think to be fair, I think the back did or he did well recently. But I think he maybe still needs to pick up maybe some wider areas that he can really penetrate from behind. Um definitely as in, you know, you've seen it really the point where you definitely pick up those passes if need be. Yeah. I don't so the goal that they the first goal, the own goal, I don't know if you saw their uh, their friendlies beforehand. They had a couple of goals where they work it across and it's first like kind of early cross for a like, early cutback. And I think Giroud played Giroud got a couple of couple of goals like that. So that's clearly something that they practice, but I thought that the the difference tonight between the teams was that France looked like they had way more ways of scoring. Like it didn't, it felt like if Germany were going to score, it was going to come from like 
into I thought into Havertz wide and then and then across or into Havertz he turned and have a shot and I, I don't even know how many shots he had we, we probably didn't I don't even know if he had a shot um, so that's tricky um, but yeah we'll see I think that you could also sort of tell it was the first game there were a few like just sloppy passes just like times where you would like if you were coaching someone you'd say like take care of the ball when you pass forward like that's the pass that we if we're going to play it like let's try and have control and receive it and they just were off target like just went went astray I don't know how much of that you could put down to the first game when these players are playing at such a high level that's exactly what I was about to say. I think I think a lot of it probably might be down to that. You know, as as, as many games as some of these guys have played, for some of them is still big major tournament. Like I said, if you go back to the piece earlier, some people might be passionate and really put pressure on when they're playing for the national side. Some might some people might be able to do that differently. And you see it all the time. You know, different systems. They're going from one one system at their club, potentially a different system at the national sides. I mean, something you touched on there, and I think France definitely have a bit more versatility in how they can go about getting those goals. Um, but that's also helped by the fact that they've got players who, yeah, I think you are a bit more. But if we come back to the Griezmann example, you know, the fact that Griezmann, Griezmann's great on the ball as as as, as well as he is, but the fact that he's playing out wide offers to be something different, and he, he maybe have to now think about how he can apply his skill set from a different position on the pitch, which straight away gives the opposition a different challenge. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, for me, I definitely think that first game is just a. It's just a taste of what's to come from France. So, you know, they're definitely going to get better. And as the tournament goes through, I'll be, I'll be surprised if they're not, if they're not in the, you know, obviously are the favourites, but they're not at least in the semis. And I'll be very shocked. Um, and, I, and I think, is there four clean sheets in a row, is it? Yeah, I think so. Um, so I think it'll be interesting. And I think Boy Keane made a good point off, off the game as well. And that, that, that's, you know, that's essentially probably where they might even win the tournament because it was such a strong defence. So, it kind of alleviates some of the pressures on the forward players, but then that's not to say that the forward players aren't going to start coming up um, and, and producing the goods over the next few games. Though. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because if Mtiti was fit, he probably starts. So you could say, okay, they're missing like one of their first choice centre backs. There's been a fair bit of chat that the full backs aren't like, you know, attacking full backs who get forward. I thought they got forward a fair bit tonight, had a fair bit of space. I don't think either of them. Like had had particularly bad games, and then just going forwards, they're always yeah, they're always going to be able to create chances. And um, how much how much Pogba have you watched this year? How much have you seen him for United? Um, I've seen bits and pieces. I know that certainly the last few weeks of the season, he definitely started improving. Um, I think we started to see, uh, and I, it'd be interesting to see how much of that was down to him having having a new offer or contract on the table. Hmm. Um, him preparing for the Euros and thinking, right, let me get out, let me get out this rut that I've been in, in even if you want to call it a rut to be honest um, but certainly for the profile of the player he's definitely not been not been performing at his best over the last couple of years in my opinion um, I think many people probably agree with that but uh, you can't you listen I mean, once, you, once you're at that level and you've got, you've got that ability that he's got you, you're never going to be surprised when he turns it on little little bits of individual brilliance that he's got in terms of whether it's a pass or it's a little dribble and a little driving through because he's so powerful at the same time, do you know what I mean? And it's almost imagine you know, I can imagine it must be scary for people just when he's running at you full pace and he's driving with so much force, you think, right, okay, do I get stuck in here or do I just have to hold it, hold him up and try and delay him for the rest of the team? I, I was gonna I was gonna ask what you think what what is he best at? Because there were times today where like I think the ball the, the two examples in my head are there was one where the ball came into him, received and turned so quickly, and he's just 
he's gone. And once he's that first touch is so good that he's able to get into space. I think he got fouled and won a free kick. And it's just like we go from being under pressure to straight away we've got a free kick on the halfway line. Everyone can squeeze up, defenders can take it. Um, and there was another one that I think started the um the counter-attack towards the end when Mbappe had the penalty shout, where the ball, ball goes into a box, sort of gets headed clear, he just brings it down on the edge, like turns out, sees the runner, plays forward. It's just like even under pressure, he's just like he'll just do it and it doesn't yeah, it doesn't bother so him. Easy, yeah. I think that's the frustrating thing with people when they watch football. It's like, well, why can't you just do that on a game game after game and, and not let all the other little things affect you? But obviously, you know, we're, we're speaking from the outside and we never really know what's going on the inside. Um, but I think in terms of a position, obviously, you know, he definitely excels in playing in a, in a midfield three, uh, more specifically, not being the deepest player, not being the highest player at all times. I think he, I think he, he is the type of player. And if you go back to even the state that you've been at, he was a bit of a pre-reign player. You know, but I think that, Sometimes you need that structure, but I think players like him, they also need to have a bit of freedom. I would not be surprised if Bishop's kind of set the team up in a way where they've kind of allowed him to have a bit more freedom. I think that anyone, especially when, especially when you're as good as Pongo is, but anyone with plenty alongside them can probably get can probably get a bit more freedom than most. So, you know, that guy, that guy's, you know, you might as well have four people on the pitch. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's the kind of job he does. His work rate is, is incredible. So, but yeah, I think definitely a number eight is probably where probably his best rather than you know a four or playing as a slightly higher up as a ten. I think that's where you're gonna get the best out of him because he is so versatile. I mean he has got loads of loads of attributes that work for him going forward as well as you know when they're out of position. So I think definitely for me that number eight roles is where probably probably his best and we're seeing glimpses of his best in the last few months and hopefully that will that will continue especially for someone you know for all the Man United fans out there thinking right is this move going to be a successful one in the end or is it not? And I think I think every Man United fan is probably screaming out for now as well. I'll bring this form on a regular basis and help bring some pro- trophies back to the you know back to Old Trafford. I think yes, they've won a couple of trophies in the last few years, but everyone knows what they really want is to check is the Premier League. You know what I mean, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. And yeah, I, I think there's a lot of excitement that come from this French team, and it's interesting because obviously, like they're touching it as well. Isn't it? Mbappe is the youngest player in the squad, so nuts, which is very unusual because at this stage you'd probably you know especially most squads will probably have at least one or two teenagers still in the squad. And even if they're not main, main, mainstay players, they're at least on the fringes and really pushing pushing the people in the, in the squad to kind of get, get into it. Has that ever happened? Has that ever... Like, I'm sure it's happened like Haaland might have been the youngest player in the Norway squad, for example, but where a team is like legitimately the favourites for a tournament and their youngest player is their best player. I guess Pele, if we go all the way back, Pele was like 17. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not too sure if that has happened. I mean, I think... But at the same time, is he their best player? If you were, if you lined up all the players, he's the one I'm picking first. Then Kante. I, I think it could be the other way, other way around for me. The other way around. Yeah, I, I, I think I, okay. Kante gives you so much. He gives you so much stability and reassurance that if you look at again, come back to the, the comment made earlier about the, what Roy Keane said about the French side and and, and how well they're defensively organised. Kante is a big part of that, and I'd argue that if he's not in that squad. There's even more pressure on the forwards to get something done. Yeah, that's fair. I would say that the whole everything that Germany do is going to be let's try and stop Mbappe. I think he's the he's the player that you have to properly properly game plan for. 
I get it. Look, I get I t- look to an extent, maybe you did they say it with Kante, like if Kante's on you, if look, if you if Cruz is moving towards the ball and Kante's on his back, don't pass to him. They probably do say that. But I just think Mbappe is like the the the, the difference maker at the top level in the best team and he's and he's twenty two, you know. I think he certainly will be. Um and then they'll be they'll definitely be looking to him in the big game moments, you know, those ones where it's you know, to, to be fair, you can argue that it was it was a relatively close game, but France always been favourites to try and try, try and nick it. I think in the games where where it might not be looking like that, you probably will need to look at look to over Mbappe or even a Griezmann or even a Benz for coming up with his experience to try and create something out of nothing. Do you know what I mean? So I, I, I definitely for me, can't say definitely the best player in the squad, first name in the team sheet for me, but Mbappe's definitely got a lot of pressure on his shoulders. And I think coming back to your initial question, youngest player in the squad. I, I think I think it's just a it is what it is. Do you know what I mean? But he's, he's not he's not, he's not he's certainly not lacking experience. You know, he's been playing at the top level for what, at least four years now, um, and he's and, uh, I think right now more than anything, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him because he's, he's he's equally not that he needs to play for a new deal at PSG, but he's he's you know he's in the shop window right now. People are going to be looking at him thinking right, like, who can come in and nick him? And he's probably got his eyes on him, I mean, move to Madrid, but this could be the difference between him making I don't know maybe two hundred fifty grand to three hundred fifty grand. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Him and Benzema there were a couple of times at the back end of the second half, and they were on the break. But I was like, oh, I can see them wearing white and gold in the Bernabeu doing this. Um, I really don't feel like we saw any. Well, I don't think any of the Germany players had like amazing games, and probably France were a big part of that. What I asked you, what do what do you think Pogba's best at? What What about Gundogan? Where do you, what, how do you get the best out of him? Do you think? I think. It's not too dissimilar. I think he may, might, might be a slightly deeper role than Pogba for the mm. Germany side, or just generally, I think it's probably really comes to life a bit more. Um, it's a difficult one, do you know what I mean? Because Germany do have quite, quite a good selection of midfielders to pick from, um, as do France. But France, France is top two, I think, a bit more obvious. Um, whereas I think, it's, if I come back to what I said before about the comparisons to maybe the England side in the early 2000s, where they were just trying to get loads of people. If I've got all these great players and they're just trying to find a place to fit them, and I think. You know, the fact that we've seen Muller come back into the side recently and things like that is 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 a testament to that. You know, where do we find a place for all these players? So I, I, I guess for me, yeah, Gundogan probably not as advanced, obviously, as Pogba, but I think you know, in a very similar role, but maybe slightly deeper. Um, is probably where you're going to get the most out of it. But again, I think it depends who you got around him as well, Josh. I mean, if you look at all the great midfield team, all the great midfielders, they usually have someone else that kind of balances them off. Um, and does something that does that really well. I'm not sure whether Cruz is the right guy for <laughs> to do that with Gundogan. Um, but it, again, it'd be interesting because I, I, I definitely can't see them making any major changes going into the next game. Um, and depend on how it goes, and obviously dictate what happens going forward from there. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I'm just going to look at the fixtures. So their next game, so it's Portugal Germany is the next game. So Hungary France, Portugal Germany. That's on Saturday. France is going to beat Hungary. Portugal Germany then becomes. Such a big game for Germany, isn't it? The way that that game goes, probably more likely Portugal can can afford to to I suppose be a bit more patient. If anything, I don't know if that's the right word, but they just don't need to don't need to get into a situation where they're out of control. They want to try and I guess in every game you want to have control, but they want to have control of that that game. Definitely, I think I first of all start off by saying um, you're probably upset a whole nation in what you've just said. <laughs> if I say Hungary are definitely going to lose to France. Okay, sorry um, to the people of Hungary, sorry. 
Um, but no, I think it, it'll be interesting. I, th- I think that game will definitely be a bit more open than what we've seen tonight. German Portugal, um, definitely a bit more open. Um, again, again, you've got another fantastic player in there, in Bruno Fernandes. You know, he can probably create something out of nothing as well. And again, any team that's got Ronaldo, you can never count them out, man. Um, it was interesting to see today. Yeah, just, that, even that, even the goal that Ronaldo scored, I think it's the second one after the penalty. The little, the little, the little one twos with was it? I think it was Bruno, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Got a couple one twos with Bruno around the goalkeeper. No, again, you can never count them out. I think that's 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 the thing with the Portuguese side. I think they're definitely, in my opinion, the squad isn't as strong as what they had in the last tournament. Um, but they've got a couple more standouts um, as opposed to that that time round. I think Bruno Fernandes, you know, again, any side with Bruno Fernandes, just as like just like we talked about Bobber as well, he, he, he can unlock defenses with his eyes closed. And I think it'll be interesting to see how Germany approach that one. But it'll be, a, I think that'll be a good game to watch. Um, I think the nerves probably would have would have subsided a little with some of the players going into his first game. Um, a bit more open in the second game. I think Portugal have really got to think about how they're going to approach it because really at one point. Um, it, could, it could have it could have gone the other way, and I think it was especially at the end. This is like going out, wasn't it? Of Hungary, and immediately after they went and got, went and scored their goal. So I think it'd be interesting to see what happens and how how the Portuguese approach it. And I feel like, yeah, I think that'll be that'll probably be a closer game than what we've seen today. Yeah, yeah, I imagine so. I imagine so. It's interesting watching Portugal because, like, effectively Ronaldo is like the central striker, but then obviously he moves around and takes up different positions, and it's up to I think Bernardo Silva was playing wide on the right to begin with so he has to get in there Bruno's obviously hitting the box as well and then for Germany today there's like they, on the lineup, they had I think they had Nabry in the middle to start but then as soon as the game started it looked like Müller was more central than there moving around moving around uh, you don't there's not that many good stri- like there's not that many strikers who are like oh yes no question they're like a focal point of an attack why is that? I think that's just the way the game's gone now. I think players have developed. Uh, the game is developed in a way where that old-fashioned number nine, if you like, is, is no longer is no longer a thing. I think nowadays, more than anything, you've got players who are a bit more versatile. I think, and there's even a conversation that was taking place earlier today. I'm not paying too much attention, but even talking about you know, is Harry Kane the right player to be playing up front for England? Yeah. Because like, is, is he too, as you know, as good as he is? Is he does he limit them? And I think it, it, again, I'll come back to you. It reminds me of um, reminds me of, 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 of Man United to be honest. When Ruud Benistro was there, mm-hmm. good as he was, did it did it restrict what how, how they could have played? Because he's very one dimensional, and you know you you know what you're going to get from him. You know he's going to be great at it. But does that then stop, or does that then you know challenge the rest of the team to do things differently because of that? They then have to, you know, adjust their roles and the way they play because of that. So I think it'd be interesting to see what happens. And I think come back to your question though, you know, I think the game has evolved in a way where it is just a lot more fluid than it once was. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if you know, if in a few years, a few years time, maybe five, six years down the line, we're having another conversation and we're actually seeing the old-fashioned number nine come back out. It's like, yeah, if you if you actually watch, you know, the game and the history of the game, there is trends. So when you know, when come, someone comes out with a back three or when someone comes out with a Four three three. It's not. It's not nothing new. It's just been. It's been out of the game for so long. And come back in. It's almost like readjusting to it and just realigning yourself. Of, okay, how do we deal with this? Because it's not as common as it as it as it once was. Again, you know, the four four two's kind of faded out. So I'm sure that will come back in a couple of years, and there will be teams kind of um, setting up in that way again with the old fashioned number nine, number ten alongside each other. So I think, I, I think that's just a. I don't think it's a long term thing. I think it, you know after the next couple of years, you probably see it revert back to some some form of a an old fashioned number nine or target man of some sort again Harland Harland is probably I was um, say the Harland well, generation yeah, 
yeah. There's kids with that one there. Yeah, there's some kid watching him who could is probably tall enough to go and play basketball, is probably big enough, strong enough to go and play NFL or something, but then watches Highland is like, fuck, maybe I could do that and just starts playing football instead. 100%. I think it's good. It's good because I think it does definitely, any of the young kids watching it, I think they would they would see that and think, right, you know what, there is, there is scope for a player like me. But then I, again, that's just a testament to him as well to, to be able to do what he's doing. And he, he probably wouldn't be your typical number nine. Yeah. Um, because of his makeup, but I think he just—I think it just goes to show how 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 truly brilliant he is. Yeah. Especially at such a young age. When when we say typical number nine, what are the what are the things that we want that player to do? Score goals. Okay. Score uh, goals. I think first and foremost, I think I think that that, that, that uh, as silly as it sounds, I don't think all 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 strikers, all forwards are put in a position now where they're actually demanding to demanding to have to be the one to score the goals. Yeah. Um, obviously they're probably gonna, they're probably going to get their fair share in there. Um, so definitely that. But I think yeah, I think I think just, it's just being a focal point in the team. And I think yeah, again, if I go back to some of the, some of the comments I've made today, even Gary Neville touched on that. You know, Ronaldo, prime example, gone from being a, an out and out winger when he first started his journey. You know, as as time's gone and he's gradually moved further and up the pitch and more to the central areas, and now. You could probably argue he's an out-and-out striker now. Yeah. He's, he doesn't, you know, he's, he's not, you know, you touched on it earlier, he sometimes likes to go out wide, but that's just his, his nature. But I think if, if there's a model of a number nine now, it probably is Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. The, not, obviously not, not to the same ability as, as that, because not everyone's going to be able to achieve that. But certainly in terms of what he offers the team, it's interesting. I've always had this comparison between Messi and Ronaldo. And I, I've always said that, you know, for me, you put Ronaldo in any team, I think he'll be more effective than Messi would. Okay. I think Messi can play. I think he can play any position in any team. Whatever, we'll have that argument another time. Um, <laughs> the, what I was gonna with the striker thing, there was in the England game, there was a bit where the ball got played really, really long up to Foden, and he did this unbelievable touch where he like jumped and brought it down on his left foot, and he just kind of like not in the same way as Mbappe today, but it was like, should I attack or should I just wait? And he's like yeah. so good on the ball, shields the ball so well that he could just wait yeah. and, and bring other players in. That to me is what it, traditionally, anyway, you would say that's what your striker does. But he's a like little winger midfielder. But it, it's the, the job and the function is exactly the same, which is the ball goes up to him. It's a risk, it's, it's risky in that we might lose control of the ball. He's able to get control of the ball and then bring other people into the game. Yeah, but I think that comes back to what I was touching on a few moments ago about almost not in his makeup in terms of where he looks, but that, that's the kind of thing you'd expect from someone like a target man. Yeah. You're forward, you're out and out number nine, you're probably thinking out somebody's on the, who's on the shoulder, ready to get in behind, ready to kind of just, you know, just in and around the box. When there's a sight of goal, take it. You know, when, when there's an opportunity to get in behind, make the run. And just constantly making those runs. And I'm trying to think about it. Who, who, who I could use as an example of somebody who's constant, right? Maybe not from a technical standpoint, but I think in terms of the job they do, I think Jamie Vardy. Yeah, 100%. Best example in the program. Jamie Vardy. Uh, and I, I think that that is probably what you expect from an out and out number nine. Um, in that, all he's looking to do is getting behind. All he's looking to do is, right, how do I get closer to the goal? And I think that is probably what you're looking for as an instinct or mentality, if anything. Yeah, it's so weird to think that Jamie Vardy could, like, start up front for Germany and he'd be so effective. Do you know what I mean? Like that, they, they, that, Nabry just didn't do that tonight. He just didn't do it. And they didn't have anyone to really trouble France. Like at no point did they have to 
worry about the ball going over their heads and turning. It just didn't happen. 100%. I think, you know, the key thing is, are you stretching the opposition? Yeah. And if you're not doing that, how effective are you being? I, mean, I think that's probably probably the underlying thing you want from your number nine. Somebody's going to stretch the opposition, try and get in behind, try and push the defenders back and give them something to think about rather than having the game always in front of them. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, okay, so France, convincing, didn't really, really have to try tonight, we don't think. Expecting Germany to be more in the game against Portugal, is that fair? 100%. I think there's definitely a lot more for them to play for going into, France, going into the Portugal game and then Ultimately, that everyone knows that France has got a strong defence. So I think Germany would have known that coming into the game. They would have known. And it, you started to see a something slightly different in the last 20 minutes because obviously now they're chasing the game a little bit more. But I think generally, any team that comes up against France is probably going to be playing a little bit on the back foot just because they know how effective France can be, not just in defence, but actually on the counter. If we go and attack these guys, they're probably going to break on us. Um, they almost got away with it tonight you know, with the, the goal that was disallowed for Benzema. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So France, France looking good. Portugal, yeah. Sorry, Hungary. I don't, I don't think you're picking up points this tournament. Um, <laughs> but they did all right, to be fair. Until the goal, and they had the disallowed goal, they they were doing okay. It's funny as well. You mentioned the the uh, teams defending in four four two. Did you watch Sweden against Spain? Or have you seen clips of that? I didn't see that game actually. Yet. Um, I think I saw bits of it actually. Uh, yeah, I did actually see bits of it. I know that I'll tell you what, who I was impressed with. The young. Um, Young forward for Sweden, Isaac. Oh, uh, Isaac, yeah. Yeah, he was decent, man. He was decent. But I think on the whole, I think, yeah, I didn't really watch the game. I, thought, I, saw, I saw little bits of him, though. Yeah. You'll see, if you watch it, you'll see that that was probably of all the, well, definitely of, of the teams we've seen in the tournament so far, they were like most effective at just doing, doing defending in their 4 4 2, making sure that they're. That they were um, that they were in a position to try and stop Spain. So that was good. I think um, you get that with quite a lot of these, um, you know, these those sorts of teams like you know your, your Sweden, your Norway, your Finland, and things like that. Really quite, they are quite really relatively organised and quite rigid. You know, you know, they're completely almost on the opposite end of the spectrum as as, as your France and your Germany's because, like I said, with those guys, they're a bit more fluid. Um, whereas you know, Sweden's probably on the other end, and unfortunately, they didn't get the result they're looking for yesterday. But um, Definitely, I definitely think there is there is pros to having that that, 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 that type of style if you like. Yeah, yeah. Um, any any other players that you're either have enjoyed watching or hoping to hoping to see? I think of anyone in particular, but I would say one person I've, I think who's, who's been getting a lot of stick coming into this world. I think it's surprise people for the England side. I think Raheem Sterling. Yeah. Yeah, I think Sterling's going to do really well in this tournament. I think um, he's going to he's going to prove his critics wrong. There's been a lot of people getting on his back, and I think I think this is his time to kind of shine a little bit. So mad, isn't it, to think that like he's just won the league with City again, and he's like one of the most experienced players in the England squad, and everyone's like shocked that he started and scored. It's like he's he's just a great attacking player. <laughs> like what he does. This is it. It literally is. He, he, he does his job well, and he does it really well. And I think he doesn't get enough credit for what he does and how, and how effective he has been. And I think. You said it there, you know, he's won the, he's won the league against the City and it's not that he was a bit part of play, he's, really been, he's, he's been a pivotal part in that. Um, is, there, is there things that he can develop on? Of course there is, but everyone's got that. And I think the key thing for people to remember is that just just just, just look at what he's doing and not and don't, don't look at him as an individual. You know, some, some people are going to like him, some people are not, but for different reasons. And I think the key thing is how effective has he been? And this, 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 this is where 
the difference has come obviously when it comes to international football. You need to find players that are very effective for your system at the national level, no matter how good they're working at um, at, at club level. And you know, we saw the whole debate of Trent being involved in the squad in the first place. And you know, people would argue, well, actually, Trent's probably been one of the best fullbacks in the, in the world for the last couple of years. So why is it even a question as to whether he's going to be in the squad? So I think yeah, you know, I think yeah. it's, little, it's little things like that. I think people need to kind of just realize we don't know the ins and outs, what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know whether Sterling or whoever it might be might be in the squad for different reasons. You know what I mean? Not specifically from a, a technical standpoint and from, from the perspective of they're going to produce results, but they might be in there because they're actually, they, they're the one that keeps everyone's morale up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Also, Sterling, he's 26. It feels like he's been around for 15 years and he's 26. And I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. Yeah. Talking the best he gets to come and I, you know, it would be interesting to see whether he finishes his career at City or whether he gets himself a move somewhere else in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll I mean, if they're going to probably, in terms of England, probably see a lot of the players who played against Croatia start in the next game. But I think there's, there's, even that first game is a big enough sample size to say, okay, like Sterling, if we in a, in a big game you're starting. Definitely, and I've always I've always thrown it out there. For me personally, I, I would not be surprised if, if Raheem Sterling did really well as, as, as through the middle as well. Yeah, there were times in that game where he, I mean the goal comes from him running through the middle. Yeah. Through the middle, exactly. Yeah, and I, I, I've even said it, if they, if they were if they were thinking about taking Kane out the side before putting Vardy in, I would I would even, I would even go with Sterling. Yeah, I do I mean, think he can be effective there, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, I agree. It's it's just it is weird to imagine the team without Kane, but I'm also not like when they took him off, I was surprised. I was like, okay, like I didn't think that didn't think <laughs> I don't know, he's like golden boy captain, isn't he? Um, but I think yeah, I think I think that's that's fair. There's also there's also just so many other <laughs> so many other good attacking players that we like to see. Um but yeah. Cool. Yes, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Nice to nice to get your thoughts on that game. Like we like we said at the start, one of the more one of the more intriguing games, probably the biggest in terms of high profile anyway that we've had so far. Definitely, man. No, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, man. Always is. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. All right, I'll catch you, I'll catch you soon. <laughs>